Now, blog talk, uh, before we get into the movie review here, fix your synchronicity issues. Because I have to sit here for, you know, up to 40 seconds before music even begins playing. And I know for a fact, if I were to start playing it right now, it would pick up very quickly. But for some reason, you insist on making this, you know, our lifetime wait longer while your stuff communicates with itself. Fix your issues. You bargain basement two-bit knockoff program. Hi, everyone. This is the Radlich and Broadcasting Network Movie Review Club. And that little rant I had on Blog Talk is nothing. Nothing, I tell you, compared to what I have to say about Adam Sandler's latest piece of cinematic sputum, Pixels. I'm Robert Winfrey, and we're going to be talking about this turd bomb. Uh, with me, as always, for these things, I can't say as always, because on occasion we swap out, but 90 and change percent of the time he's here with me. I'm here with him. Mark Radlich is here. Mark, how you doing this evening? My children liked it. Well, actually, my daughter liked it, and my son was busy moshing in the back of the van. So I think that I, I think that's something. A little later on in this review, in all seriousness, I gotta read you something I saw on cinemablend.com. Um, there was an article where I think the director of the movie, the director or producer, went on a rant that that basically said... What? Who was it? I'll tell you if he's a director or producer. Um, let me tell you what happened, then I'll look it up and uh, as you're reacting. Uh, right. Someone who's worked on many of Adam Sandler's movies with him basically said... The people that are reviewing this movie and, have, and currently have it at 18%, up from 10% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way, over the weekend, uh, basically are a bunch of art house fags, quote, quote, sorry, quote, liberal art house fags that don't understand fun and that Adam Sandler's movies still entertain people. There are there is a contingent of the adult audience that still likes to pretend that they're 10 years old and fart jokes are funny. Um, and that's the kind of audience that Adam Sandler is making movies for. And that's where I'd like to start this review, as a matter of fact, that if you're talking about silly, silly comedy that panders to the lowest common denominator, if it entertains people and people laugh even a little bit, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Now, I have no problem criticizing the craft of the movie, and some of the narrative problems that it has, because 
you know, that to me is what made is what made this right up there with with Tomorrowland. But this I don't think Tomorrowland by a country mile. Well, I think Tomorrowland had more plot problems than this one. This one was fairly because Tomorrowland actually bothered to try and put together a plot in a movie that wasn't comprised oh, entirely of setup gags, setup gags. This isn't going to be fun if you're just going to prison rape the movie. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, I would not even prison rape this movie. Not ever. Uh, I, this thing would, no. Just no. I feel like you, we need to, I feel like as fair reviewers, Robert Winfrey, as people who are worth listening to, we need to come at it from the perspective of if this is a movie that's intended to pander to the lowest common denominator and entertain children, which it did, did it succeed? And if it succeeded, is it, you know, is it by that definition a good movie? No. Or at least it's a successful movie. Uh, no. I don't think there's any appreciable metric by which this is a successful movie. You're just being mean to be mean. No. This movie is not making money. No critics liked it. I, was, oh. I went to see this movie on Tuesday, yesterday. There were six people in the theater, including <laughs> me. And there was maybe two chuckles throughout the entire 90-minute runtime. I I will tell you right... You have to turn the sound off on that. Okay, you can have it back now. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, I laughed at the centipede scene. I thought the centipede scene was great. I, I actually really enjoyed that. Okay, good for you. I I, I don't hey, know. I, Look, I my, I freely my wife it. hang on, hang on. My, last thing, and then I'll and then I'll shut up. My wife enjoyed it, and my wife likes stupid comedies. Like she's not a movie reviewer. Um, she's not someone who looks at these things critically. That's why I can't get her on to do half of this stuff. It was a chore to get her to do some of the things she's done in the past, and she's a good wife, and that's why she did them. But this is not critically reviewing things and looking at the craft of it is not her thing. Ironically, she is into crafts, though. But that's a different use of the word craft. Not witchcraft, which would be a third use. Never mind. Um, what I'm trying to say to you is that my English wife... language is a mess. <laughs> it really is. If, if you, 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 really, you truly realize and appreciate just how screwed up the English language is when you talk to somebody from a completely foreign country trying to learn it, and they're like, your, 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 your language makes no sense. But um, English but is the most difficult language to learn if it is not your native language outside of, like, Finnish. So, and, yeah, but enough about my Swahili teacher from college. Yes, I took Swahili. Um, I'm sure you did, along with all of those other like sparkling student athletes who just had to maintain their C average. I honestly don't remember who was in the class. It was that. Forgive long ago. my bitterness. I'm just. <laughs> I'm in a. I'm in an everything sucks type of mood today. So you really are. Oh my God, do you need a hug? No. <laughs> I prefer not. I'm just. I'm here for you, Robert Winfrey. Life's not that bad. I didn't like, say it like, was bad. So, I mean, I, I haven't even had a bad day, but necessarily, I'm just in kind of an everything sucks mood, which happens sometimes. Get out of it, for God's sakes! Um, yeah. <laughs> if it were that easy. <laughs> if it were that easy, exactly. Um, I got. I, I'm, I'm still looking for this uh, cinema blend article, but 
Um, getting to the point, and and and, I'll, and then I'll let you kind of take over the reins here. My wife, who likes stupid movies, enjoyed it, and I think like this movie uh, was meant for people like her. They don't want to think about it; they just want to be entertained. So, from that standpoint, she laughed, I laughed, my daughter laughed. I mean, if you're going into a comedy and you laugh even a little bit, uh, you're you're at least successful to some degree. Um, there were other positive things I can say about this movie. I thought it was, I, with, with the exception of a few things, I thought it was fairly logical. Um, I, I thought the plot followed from you know from one scene to the next. Uh, my honestly, if if you want me to say something negative right now so that we can get this review going, the only major problem I had with it through the whole thing is that Adam Sandler sucks as an actor at this point. He's not acting. What do you mean at this point? You don't need to qualify that statement. He used to play a character, okay? He used to, you know, there was a character that would come to life in his movies, whether it be Happy Gilmore or The Waterboy. I mean, he wasn't just coming in and boringly reading dialogue, which he does in this one. He just sort of shows up on set and proceeds to read the dialogue with no real inf- I mean, that's like that's why I laugh at the centipede scene. It was the only time he emoted. It was the only time, like, I actually found, you know, like, he, he finally grasped onto an emotion of some sort, and it happened to be unadulterated joy. And I found that funny, and I enjoyed the scene because of it. Everything else was sucked about him. He was just, he's just an awful character because he's so bland and boring. But, but I, I kind of overlooked that because the rest of the movie, to me, was fine. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you pretty much wholesale as far right. as that goes. I have to find this article, so take it away. All right, let me. For those of you unaware of the basic plot of this movie, I will bring that up right now. Uh, the basic plot, we meet characters who will become Adam Sandler, Kevin James, and some... Okay, Josh Gad, I just found the guy's name. I have a brief rant about him in a moment or two, but we meet them in the summer of 1982 when they're, uh, you know, preteens and arcades are a thing, and the attempt to appeal to the nostalgic, you know, portion of the audience that was a child during the 80s is blatant and obvious and patently ineffective, I I feel, but... Uh, Adam Sandler's character is very good at these games. Uh, he comes in second at the first ever World Championships. Uh, coming in second to the character who becomes Peter Dinklage's character. Uh, overblown, uh, overblown caricature dude bro douchebag. Who was uh, My one good thing about this entire movie is Peter Dinklage as that raging jack-off. Because it's hilarious. I didn't laugh mind you, but I can objectively say it was probably quite funny. And there's... His life winds up stalling out. For some reason, Kevin James becomes president. And God help any society that would elect Kevin James as your ruler. You deserve to be pixelated and destroyed by alien life forms. You absolutely deserve it. Well, it turns out that they're, you know, their competition uh, in the arcade games was put into a time capsule with a bunch of other stuff from 1982 and launched into space. Extraterrestrials found it, took it as some kind of intergalactic call to war, recreated 80s video game characters with 
uh, light energy and has sent them down to attack us. And the only people capable of saving our sorry backsides are these now adult nerds who used to be good at these games uh, in the arcades. And it's a again, naturally they win because it, again, there's nothing here. So naturally they win. Adam Sandler gets his confidence back because Peter Dinklage was cheating. Uh, they make peace with the aliens and life goes on. There's, there's nothing here. I, I mean, this is the this is plot only in the very loosest sense of the word, and that things happen. <laughs> okay. Again, thinks thinks a little harsh. Uh maybe it's a maybe, but again, I, I look for as much as I try to remain objective when we do these things, and I try to talk about what's good and what's bad. The problem with objectivity and comedy is they don't mesh. There's no such thing as objectively funny, necessarily. Something that is funny to you appeals to you on such a deeply personal level that the notion of being objective about it kind of defeats the purpose. I found nothing in this movie funny. You didn't laugh at all, huh? Not once. Okay. <clears throat> okay but so I, I know I, other... But again, other people did, and so you're saying, where does that fall? Does that make it objectively funny? Does that make it objectively unfunny with a few outliers? I mean, it's an ex it's an exceptionally difficult thing to qualify. Consequently, reviewing them and you know rating and scaling and whatnot a comedy is such a an odd thing because I can't review it objectively necessarily because again, objectively. I, again, humor doesn't exist in an objective standpoint because objective is beyond personal bias, personal experience. It simply is. And nothing just is funny. It is funny to you, to a large segment of people, to a certain segment of people, so on and so forth. But it again, it has to appeal to you in that way. So we're so reviewing a comedy of any variety is very difficult. Because you know, how do you qualify these things that are meant to be personal experiences? And it, me? No, didn't laugh. Wanted my time back. If I could have uh, smacked myself in the head with a skillet and forgot that movie right after walking out of the theater, I would have. Um, so the guy that uh, went crazy here, Dennis Duggan. Uh, Dennis Duggan... Um, <clears throat> As uh, director Dennis Duggan, uh, who's worked with Adam Sandler on Happy Gilmore, Big Daddy, and now pronounced Chuck and Larry. You don't mess with the Zohan, Grown Ups, just go with it, Jack and Jill, and Grown Ups too. Um, <sighs> and here's what he says: That's a sad, sad list of movies you just read off. Uh, Duggan, however, has Sandler's back, telling the Hollywood Reporter, "How fucking dare anybody say that he's a shitty entertainer?" Because he is. <laughs> in an well, okay, hold on, hold on. Uh, let's take any. How do you want to qualify Adam Sandler as an entertainer? I, I mean, I, let's. I feel like you need to let the man have his say, and then uh, yell at him. I feel like his premise is flawed. Consequently, anything he says afterwards is going to be equally flawed, if not more so. Wonderful. It's like talking to my father. In an interview pegged to Problem Child's 25th anniversary, Duggan admits he hasn't read a review of any of his films since the film and brain donors were released in 
since that film and Brain Donors were released in 1990 and 92, respectively. To hate grown-ups is just ludicrous, he says. It's a funny movie. We didn't mean it to be anything else but a hangout movie where you go sit down and get a lot of laughs from a bunch of guys just hanging out. I don't give a fuck what critics think, Duggan says in response to criticism that he and Stanley have faced over the years. I give a fuck that almost every one of my movies opens up number one and makes a giant profit for the studio, and people buy them, rent them, quote them, and have a good time seeing them. As such, Duggan reveals there's been talk of another Grown Ups, but I don't know where that stands. Grown Ups 2 was Sandler's first live-action sequel, but he ever but might he ever reprise his Happy Gilmore role? I can't imagine he'd ever do that. Duggan says, but it's Hollywood, so you never, so never say never. Okay, so he cares about making money. That now, is what you're supposed to do. Now, that's fine. Let's look at the last several Adam Sandler movies to come out and tell me which of them have legitimately been profitable. Because this bombed. Okay, this bombed hard. This movie cost $80 million. You factor in 20 for distribution and marketing. $100 million. It made less than 50 worldwide in its opening weekend. This movie is not making money. Yeah, this got killed by Ant-Man, which was on its second week. Uh, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Failed miserably. You don't mess with the Zohan. Failed miserably. Grown Ups 2. Failed miserably. Financially. Let's, again, let's throw out, you know, enjoyment, quality, all the other metrics. If he cares just about money, his movies, many of them, have failed miserably. This is a guy with his head up his ass trying to justify his existence. So I'm looking at the Wikipedia list of, uh, of his movies, and unfortunately, uh, I can't. They don't, add, they don't look at the, they, they don't throw in the, uh, the budgets or the, uh, the, the grosses. They just, it's just a list of the movies. Well, where are you? I mean, what website are you on? I'm on Wikipedia. They should. I'm then. looking at the Wikipedia. The Wikipedia page for Adam Sandler filmography. To whoever's doing this page, no, no, you gotta click the individual links, and then it will have it on the right in the box down at the bottom. No, I want one spreadsheet. I don't want to. We have Excel. I want one spreadsheet. I don't want to go there. I have been briefly corrected about Chuck and Larry. Apparently, it made 120 million dollars domestically. My apologies. Okay, apparently, now, okay, to everyone who paid to see that movie, you're why we can't have nice things. Wait a minute now. Adam Sandler was a producer on Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. Let's see how much that made. Do Let's we see. really? Like, nothing. Dude, fuck off. Nope, fuck off. Fuck How did right that make off. money? $30 million budget, $104.1 okay. million box office. That's how it made money. It was cheap. All right, fair enough. <laughs> he went, hang on. We can't count Sandler as a producer. That doesn't count. But it's still Paul Blart. I look, I don't get it. I really don't. I feel these movies are just I don't even know anyone who likes these movies like that. And maybe it's my extraordinary extraordinarily limited social circle and poor tolerance for human stupidity. Since you're making me go to different websites like some sort of animal. Forty million dollar budget for Blended, the one that's been that's commonly known as as the movie where Adam Sandler just wanted to go to Africa and get a paid vacation. Forty million dollar budget, 
$126.8 million box office. And pardon me while I go to my expert on the subject. Hey, Melissa, was Blended, was Blended one of the ones you saw in the theater? Did you go see Blended in the theaters? Did you go see Blended? My, my, my wife likes Adam Sandler movies so much. How much does she like them? She saw Blended by herself. Uh, I, I don't want to live on this planet anymore. I just, <laughs> I just don't. I think you have, I, I think we have to, I think we have to start this whole review over again. And you have to accept the fact that, that there is a market. And, 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 and I know there's a market for it. I, I'm aware that there is. And if he, and as long as these things cost less than $50 million to make, they'll make money. Bearing in mind that, and to everyone out there who doesn't know this, a movie has to double its budget to really be profitable. $80 million, $80 million budget, Grown Ups 2. $247 million box office. I'm... Uh, I, you know, part of this is uh, worldwide box office, which you open in enough markets, you wind up making your money back eventually. Oh my god! 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 Jack and Jill. Please don't tell me that made money. Seventy-nine million dollar budget. Hundred and forty-nine point seven million dollar box office. It barely made money. Look, I think it's fair that I that we take a step back now. That we take. Okay, how much of that was domestic and how much of that was worldwide? Oh my God, fucking dude, seriously. <laughs> it, that's a legitimate question. If we're going to complain about this, I'm not complaining. I am. Total uh, t domestic total gross was seventy four million dollars. So it made less than its budget domestically. When you factor in all the idiots in China and India that went to see it, he made money. Good for him. <laughs> That's correct, sir. $75 million foreign. And again, that's barely making money. You must but, more than double your budget. But okay, but my point is this is on by far his worst movie. Jack, I mean, Jack and Jill is widely considered to be Adam Sandler's app. I mean, this one's the one that... Yeah, went it's that or Little Nicky, let's be fair. No, okay, Little Nicky, no one has said was a Ponzi scheme, okay? <laughs> the guy from Red Letter Media did an entire video about how they theorized that Jack and Jill was actually a Ponzi scheme to flee the scene. <laughs> fair enough. Okay, Little Nicky was not that. Um, no, look, it was just deep-fried ass. Let, let's get back to the point of all this, and that is that Pixels is a movie that celebrates, if not, you know, blindly nostalgizes the, uh, and I think I just made up a word. Um, you did. I'm, I'm committed to it. I've, listen, considering what they've added to the English dictionary, uh, someone work on nostalgize for me. Uh, <laughs> they actually had to adjust the definition of literally to include not literally. Well, I can see why you don't want to live on this planet anymore. But I've got kids, so it's I got full of idiots. In any case, um, you know, it, look, this was celebrating the arcade culture of the '80s, which it did. And I enjoyed the fact that now I'm going to say something positive about the movie. I like the All fact right. that it, it was relatively consistent within its own universe. You had the aliens that said, 
you know, we think you've declared war on us. That's what we think these things are. And so we're going to fight your fight um, as, you, as you've uh, set it up, which is like an arcade game. So I like the fact that like round one was Galaga. Round two was Centipede. Round three was Pac-Man. Actually, um, round two was Arachnoid. Round three was Centipede. Okay, yeah. I, well, that that was the problem. Is I got a little. The problem is that there was no interaction when they attacked Guam, and then when it, what ends up happening in India, I barely made out what that was. Now that might have been because I was also at the drive-in with my kid and my son, who no, was like, it's not at all made clear. I only know okay. that because I've read the reviews. Okay, well, fine. Um, but you know, the, the obvious ones were Centipede and Pac-Man, and then listen, I'll tell you what—that final sequence with Donkey Kong. For all there is to complain about it, and there's plenty. But, I mean, from a visual standpoint, it looked awesome. I love the Donkey Kong sequence. From, you know, from an overall performance, from a visual perspective, from one of the only scenes you know, uh, where I really thought the characters uh, were, <laughs> were even semi-believable, I thought the centipede scene worked from, from you know, soup to nuts. So to me, there was a lot to take away from this movie, if you let yourself enjoy it, that really was fun. Now, here's the bad parts. They threw in stuff here that made no sense for no good reason, and it didn't add anything to the movie. One, Josh Gad and that whole lecture he does with the army, I guess was supposed to be funny. It wasn't. Josh Gad's existence. Here's a guy who, in a movie featuring Kevin James, managed to be the fattest saddest, most harshly unappealing character in the movie. You All upped right. Kevin James, sir. As hey, far as, you know. Tone it down, for God's sakes. Tell me I'm wrong! <laughs> tell me he is not the fattest, saddest, slob, slob, most slovenly, I apologize for stuttering over that word, most slovenly, harshly unappealing character in that entire movie. Well, I, I, I'll you, tell you, you what. You can't. You just can't because I'm not lying about it. Well, I was going to say, Adam, that Sand- Adam, up- Sandler's, Adam Sandler's performance is bland. Adam Sandler's performance, I felt like, was just kind of walking in and reading, whereas at least Josh Gad was trying to act. He just acts badly. I, I would have preferred another version of a, another Adam Sandler in that role, honestly, because... At least it wouldn't have made me so like harshly angry. I wanted him to die. Well, I'm sure people thought the Josh Gad character was funny. I I had some problems with his character. Um, so there's let, let me go through my quick list of things that annoyed me about the movie. So Josh Gad, and especially his monologue with the Marines, where suddenly he was like a little bit gay and then he wasn't anymore. That that irked me. Um, nothing about the centipede sequence was bad. I loved it. Um, the Pac-Man sequence was great up until the point where they showed you why Peter Dinklage's character, uh, was able to beat Adam Sandler, was with cheat codes. I like the idea of cheat codes. The problem was, how did you put the cheat codes in real life? They never explain it. It's completely throwaway. It's just like, well, he did it in the arcade, so he, so since they're playing by the rules of the arcade, he's somehow able to push... well, not only is he able to cheat and break I mean, the laws of physics as we know them, he does it from the wrong side. Cheat codes were designed to make Pac-Man better and exploit them. You can't exploit them if you're the ghosts. That's not the way that works. 
Yeah, I like I said, I I didn't get it. Um, okay. They're just now real seeing who corrected you. Um, in any case, I I am distracted. Um, yeah, I, I I thought the like the cheat code thing would have been fine if they had at least come up with a creative way for him to you know to have to have done it. The problem is they didn't even address it. It's just it's just there. So I'm like, okay, well that's kind of that's that, that, that I, I mean if you want to be funny about it, you don't bring out an arcade game, you put them into the Contra map and have Peter Dinklage manually do the up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start. Yeah, we kind of would have been funny to like to see him like actually jumping up and down and doing that and then like, come on, do it with me. Okay, now I've got twenty lives. Suck it. <laughs> um but uh, yeah, to kind of do it with Pac-Man. But I mean, other than but other than that, I thought the sequence was great. I thought the way that Adam Sandler beat Pac-Man finally was great. My daughter thought Pac-Man was the best part of the movie. So there, um, the big yellow, and she has no clue what a Pac-Man is. She's four, um, but she thought Pac-Man was great. So there you go. Uh, that, that's well, it's that's big, cute. it's bright, it eats things. Of course, it appeals to children. And then, but the, but again, you say that with, with with just venom dripping from your tongue. But I mean, children are people too, and if you can appeal to them and and make them happy, why is that a bad thing? This is not this kind of a podcast. Let's just move on. Um, I don't want to hear you twenty minute thesis on why we should not entertain children. I don't. Um, my issue is not that it entertains children. My issue is that it's stupid. Moving on, uh, the next thing that bothered me was they introduced the stereotypical trope, uh, angry military guy who doesn't want to go along with things and wants to. I mean, my God, this character shows up in everything. You know, it, 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 it's independent day. There's a. Do you watch The Brink on HBO? The no. the Secretary of Defense in HBO is like stereo beyond stereotypical. It's almost ridiculous. And so they have one of those characters in this movie, but he doesn't do anything. He has a line in there that I was like, oh no, he's gonna somehow sabotage things and that's how they're gonna, you know, and that's how they're gonna end up in this all out war with, with the aliens. And I'm like, so he says, uh, you know, I think something along the lines of, uh, if the, 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 these guys being successful is almost worse than if, you know. I don't know which is worse, them succeeding or them failing. Right, and I'm like, okay. That line is never explained, expounded upon. It ma it doesn't matter in the movie. I'm like, why do you even have it in here then? Other than somebody was just like, we need to have an angry, like the military sucks. It was almost as if it was thrown in there because the people working on the movie actually think the military is terrible, you know, and so we should make fun of it at every, at every turn. That's how it came across to me and it annoyed me. Um, I'm with you there. The last thing, and... A lot of the reviews of this thing has been like how women are portrayed in this movie. And I didn't have a major problem with it up until this point. Because, like, you know, they, they everyone's crying that it's a federal crime uh, that Jane Krakowski got nothing in this movie, which reminds me of yet another thing I, that bothered me. So there's a subplot in the movie about how Kevin James and, and the first lady, Jane Krakowski, oh, like they're married. Like there's three different subplots that all could have been excised from this movie completely and affected nothing overall. Yeah, it was like this, this random subplot about Kevin James and Jane Krakowski and their marriage not working out very well. And, and it's sort of resolved when he decides to make a cake with her. That's it. 
And the, and the only other like time on screen that Jane Krakowski really gets is at some sort of uh, at some sort of dinner or ball or whatever, and they're talking about uh, how attractive the love interest that of uh, Adam Sandler is. Like, all right, <laughs> like, don't quite understand why this has to be in the movie, but whatever. It didn't. Um, it, the, the the reality is, it didn't. It didn't have to be in there at all. It contributed nothing. So I felt like they were just like padding the script with that. Like it didn't really offer anything to the movie. But I'm not going to sit here and cry that Jane Krakowski didn't get anything. Um, you know, is it a waste of a talented comedic actress? Yeah, probably. Well, it's a waste of Jane Krakowski. I'm not sure if the other bits are necessary, but Bob. First of all, you must understand, and I and, and I will have to tell you this as many times as need as I need to that Jane Krakowski's muffin top is all of that. It's all that. All right. I'm not. I'm sure that that's some kind of reference to something. <laughs> I am not aware of it. Let me. Thirty rock people. Let me hear you say ho. Um. There's no one listening live on this podcast to answer me. In any case, um, even if they is, were, I assume our listeners are smart enough not to watch Thirty Rock. Oh, shut up! It was a fun. It was a. We fun don't show. have any over forty women listening to this, and they're the only people who Tina Fey appeals to. That's not true. My college intern, when I worked at uh, when I when I worked at a community mental health center a few years ago, was the one that got me into Thirty Rock because she thought we had a very Tina Fey Alec Baldwin relationship. I was Alec Baldwin. Well, I always knew you were more than a little insane, but now we at least know what you're going to be yelling into your daughter's cell phone twenty years from now. That's not nice. That no, but me. it did happen. I'm not, not that kind of Alec Baldwin. In any case, um, so yeah, so Jane Krakowski on the show Thirty Rock did a whole thing about her. You know, did a song called "My Muffin Top," and the chorus was "My Muffin Top is all that," um, which was funny at the time. In any case, I don't cry that Jane Krakowski didn't get much in this movie. Shit happens. Um, but what I did have a problem with was. So they bring that. So all of these characters are now attacking the Earth, right? Um, because they've cheated the, the rules of uh, of combat, and so now it's well, all Peter out. Dinklage cheated. He used cheat codes, so they decide to take that as a forfeit on behalf of Earth, and they launch an all out an all out attack. So they send this. Now I don't remember this ever being a real character. I think it was just invented for the movie. It's not. Yeah. It was completely made up for the purposes of the movie. So they send down essentially what looks like Electro with blonde hair. And uh, the, and Josh Gad's character, obsessed over her as a child, continues to obsess over her as an adult, and professes his love to her, and she doesn't kill him outright. Now I ask you. I was so sad. I really wanted her to decapitate him violently. It would have been consistent in the movie. That's that's the thing. It was like I you you just set up the fact that these are. Al- you know, alien attack vehicles of some sort. They're light. They're light constructs. They're not actually sentient beings. So why does she have a change of heart? Because Josh Gad, as a human being, wanted to make out with the actress. That's well, the I only logical the conclusion I can come to. I understand the behind the scenes thing, but the, there's no there's no internal logic in the movie to explain why that happens. And then no, my favorite part, my favorite part of all that is at the end of the movie. You know, they're like, you win, you get a trophy, that kind of a thing. And that's Super something randomly morphs into her. At, at, because Josh Gad wished it, and they were trying to make him happy because they won. 
Um, Adam Sandler is your voice of reason for that scene because he says he asks, "Is anyone else freaked out?" Because that was just Cubert, and it still is Cubert, apparently. You know, when Adam Sandler is your voice of reason, you have gone a bridge too far. So those are so okay. So that's my list of Picayune plot issue inconsistent issues with this movie. Other than that. I thought the movie was fine. Yeah, again, I objectively speaking, the number of issues, they're mostly what you brought up as far as inconsistencies go. But again, like the rest of, like I said, the video game stuff all followed. Um, There was a, you know, there was actually like a a plot payoff. You know, he's bonding with the, with the love interest kid. And they're, and they're talking about video games, and he's saying, like, I don't understand, you know, the games that you play, there's no pattern. And he was like, there doesn't have to be a pattern, just don't die. And that, you know... And he's and, playing and, The Last of Us, which yeah. is one of the most depressing video games ever made, but... You ain't kidding, Buster. Um, and so at the Beautiful end... Beautiful game, know, but depressing. The, kin, the kid's voice of reason rings true, and he's able to use it to conquer the game that beat him uh, when he was a kid. What I tell you this, the red letter guy, the red letter media guys reviewed the movie, and one of the things that they talked a lot about was how, like his whole his whole life was thrown off uh, by losing that tournament, and it was and it was a little weak. <laughs> if you're if if you became you know a um, what do you call those things a geek squad guy, but you were destined to go to MIT because you lost a video game tournament. There's something deeply psychologically wrong with you. That's Adam Sandler, and that was the setup to the movie, and I'm, I'm just whatever. Uh, another complaint that people had about the movie, which I didn't really care about, was Kevin James as the president. I thought he was fine. I, th- you know, I, 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 make, by making him the president, on the one hand, lazy. On the other hand, at least they could get to the point where they were being involved in the main action a lot quicker. Uh, it's beyond lazy. It's also completely unbelievable, which ought to tell you something about. Look, aliens oh, replicating. Whoa, 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 80s. Whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. No, 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 no. Unbelievable. You do realize who's running for president, right? The fat governor of New Jersey who put, who stranded people on a road. At a, yeah, he's uh, not going. Let's be clear, though. He's not going to win. They presented a world wherein Kevin James was actually elected. And in this world, Donald Trump is currently leading the Republican pack. Don't tell me strangers he's get not, He's not going to win either. When we have, when President Trump is sworn in, I'm going to remind you that we had this conversation. Look, if Donald Trump wins the elections, I am moving. That man <laughs> bankrupted two casinos. How the hell? Do you have a casino that you run go bankrupt? Dana White's dumbass buddies from Vegas run successful casinos. Donald Trump, not so much. And this is the guy we want to run the country? I don't see why not. I mean, Jimmy Carter was once president. Ugh, don't remind me. Was it, was it William Howard Taft or Grover Cleveland or somebody who like died in office after like a week or some shit? Uh, you're referencing William Henry Harrison, who was I, in office for less than a month. He contracted pneumonia during his uh, inaugural address, 
which remains to date the longest inaugural inaugural dress in presidential history. He refused to wear a coat during a, a rainstorm or a blizzard or some such. Contracted pneumonia, died, oh, geez, less than three months later. There you go. Well, but uh, William Howard Taft was fat. Very. So, see, if William Howard Taft could be president, why can't get William Howard Taft was also president before the turn of the century. So? So, uh, I, I don't, look, the point is, Kevin James <laughs> as president was the most unbelievable thing in this movie. I no, found it easier. Un- no, this easier. is unbelievable. Andre Arlovsky versus Frank Mir targeted for UFC 191. Frank Mir ought to be very grateful he's not being fed to Cain Velasquez. And no, that's completely believable because it's heavyweight. No one cares except you. All right. <laughs> Is there any look? If you're just going to, you know, going to do a German Scheiser film all over this movie, let's just wrap this up then, because we're we're not going to spend the next twenty minutes uh, yelling and screaming at one another. You know, when when all you have to offer is this movie is beyond terrible. Well, this movie is beyond terrible. Let me start out with that. Uh, there are a few good things about this movie. Oh my uh, god! Yes. Don't get me wrong. I, look, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy any of this movie. That doesn't mean it's all bad. It means I didn't enjoy it. Believe it or not, you know, for as much as I hate bad CGI, most of the CGI in this movie was fine. Uh, them playing with you know live pixels and what that would look like if you know rendered in three dimensions and whatnot. It, again, you know it's all done via computer-generated imagery. But it looks good. It looks bright. It looks colorful. It looks like it interacts with the rest of the world just fine, apart from the Donkey Kong segment, which, oi, uh, sorry, but Adam Sandler trying to wield that hammer just looked stupid. Looked beyond stupid. Uh, plenty of other good things about the Donkey Kong segment, mind you. But uh, again. It, Anytime they tried to get the humans to interact with the CGI stuff, apart from Qbert, it didn't work very well. But the stuff with Qbert worked fine. Uh, Cooper, shut up. Sorry, my dog. Well, not even my dog, really. But it, Qbert was fine interacting with the rest of the world, but most of the rest of them just... It felt a little bit odd when they tried to interact live action with the CGI, but the CGI independent of that was very well done. It looked very nice. Uh, again, Peter Dinklage playing this exaggerated caricature was, again, I didn't laugh, but I am aware that's supposed to be funny. <laughs> and I like Peter Dinklage, so, you know, good for him. Yeah, I thought, I thought Peter Dinklage was fun. I mean, everyone was like, oh, he overacted in the movie. I'm like, well, considering, who he, was, I was just considering who he was acting against, at least he gave a performance. Uh, look, his character is supposed to be a caricature. And you're supposed to overact those. I mean, it's what is called for. You, you right. can't be annoyed with someone overacting when they're supposed to overact. Agreed. Uh, I will say him wanting a threesome with Martha Stewart and Serena Williams. was Oh, was it Venus? It was Serena. In the Lincoln bedroom was an oddly specific request. Um, not, actually, I don't think it is, because if you've ever watched Airheads, and they're doing, 
Okay, watch Airheads, and then the no. part about about the re the weird requests. They're like you know, a picture of B. Arthur naked, a helmet full of cottage cheese. I mean, th that's sort of a typical Adam Sandler trope. Uh, I just again, I thought it was oddly specific. Then I also thought it was odd that apparently Serena Williams did a complete 180 from being disgusted with him to, yes, I am now in the Lincoln bedroom with Martha Stewart and she has grilled paninis. Um, I have two words to say to you about that. Keith Richards. What does that have to do with anything? Keith Richards is the ugliest man on earth, maybe except for Scottie Pippen. And yet people are all over, uh, women are all over his junk because he's in the Rolling Stones. Now, Peter well, Dinklage's sure. character. Peter Dinklage's character just saved the Earth. Yeah, but he had saved the Earth prior to that, and she still didn't care for him. Well, the, the, this was the penultimate saving of the Earth. The point is, it lacks internal consistency. You know, sometimes you got to warm up the people. I'm just saying, if her response had been "see me after you actually finish this, and then maybe," then fine. That's internal consistency. Her going from disgust to uh, I would adoration. I would say that is consistent with women's behavior. Well, and amazingly enough, you're the one who's married. Amazingly, isn't it? Oh, I'm not going to say it. You set me up, I'm not going to say it. All right. <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Will not do it. All right. Um... Apart from that, uh, again, there's so much extra crap that is in this movie for no reason. Just, I mean, absolutely none. You mentioned the military guys. You know, Brian Cox, God bless him, for being... Oh, Sean you know, Bean doesn't die. Sean Bean, Sean Bean doesn't die in this movie. There's a few things that Sean Bean doesn't die in. This happens to be one of them. Which was sad, because he probably should have died to keep the joke alive. He really should have. Should have gotten killed right by, should have been right killed by that centipede. And I mean, really, who would care if Sean Bean's character, he showed up, he insulted some of the British public, and then he left. I mean, you could have killed him and it would have been fine. Agreed. Uh, the, the entire subplot with pretty much anything involving Josh Gad actually could have been removed. He had a subplot? I mean, well, his the subplot with you know Lady Lisa and him being you know, hopelessly that, fetishizing a fictional character. That was a subplot. <laughs> it, it's stupid. It's beyond I stupid. I don't even think it the stuff with Kevin James and his wife was more of a subplot than that. That I just thought was quirky character stuff. Uh, it would have been just quirky character stuff if they hadn't had random, mindless, non-sentient program light construct actually fall in love with him. <laughs> I'm a real boy. No, no, you're not. <laughs> right. Anything else? Uh, oh, this, uh, I, I don't know. This movie... Yeah, I just... Again, first of all, personally, I hated this movie. Uh, start to finish. Uh Pretty much everything about it. Uh, you know what I really don't like about this movie? And this has nothing to do with the movie itself. This is a movie that has kind of couched itself in early 80s video game nostalgia. It's failing miserably financially. 
And right now there's a, you know, there's attempts to make a Ready Player One movie. And if, at knowing that movie executives, first of all, are, you know, a bunch of incestuous retards. Cowards. They might look at this movie, its failure, look at what it appealed to and go, no, we can't make Ready Player One. It's basically the same movie, which is fundamentally untrue. But we're talking about people with, you know, no balls and less brains. And if Adam Sandler's movie stops that movie from being made, I, you know, I don't, I might have to buy a pitchfork. I'm just gonna, I might have to actually go buy a pitchfork to start rioting. I'm trying to see how much it's making foreign. Uh, no, it's worldwide total thus far is 50 million, something like that. What was I mean, the budget? Worldwide. 80 million, 88 million plus 20 oh, million for fine. marketing and distribution. It'll be it'll it'll eventually make that up. This, I it's already you, been released in all of its major markets. Yeah, but I mean when you when you start thinking about like Blu-ray sales and online downloads and whatnot, I guarantee you this movie's gonna gonna end up being a, a financial success. Like, yes, I'm not disagreeing it's bombing at the current box office. But I think at the end of the day, this ends up being a moneymaker, uh, much much like uh, oh, which one? Whenever one of the Austin Powers movies, I think originally did not do well in theaters, but had like a second life on video. It might wind up making money when you factor everything in a year from now. I'm just, but it, again, this is bombing pretty hard, and they'll be lucky to make money on it. Yeah, they will. I have faith. If Jack and Jill could make money, I don't see why this doesn't. Because that was people's exposure to... Again, there are whole countries where that was their first exposure to Adam Sandler, and they probably don't want any more. Okay. Um, I'm, uh, I'm out. I, <laughs> I, this is a fine movie if you're into dumb humor... You like, you know, video game nostalgia, and you've got kids who are entertained by bright colors. If that is all true, you can find better movies than this to entertain your children. I'm just <laughs> gonna say that. Um, in, all, in all seriousness, we've now done. Uh, um, we're now almost, uh, almost the entire way through. Um, the the major the the major releases for this year, as far as uh, our you and I reviewing them. Um, we've got a handful left at the end of the you know, going towards the end of the year. Uh, we've got Pan, we've got the Peanuts movie, uh, we've got The Force Awakens. But I am curious. Uh, there, you know, there are movies where, where where Robert and I pretty much agree. There are movies where, where we do like we did today, which is we pretty much yell at each other, um, much like our our Transformers Four review. And I am curious. I'd like some feedback on this. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at, at Mark Rattledge. You can follow. Um, Winfrey at uh, Winfrey MMA. That's W I N F R E E M M A. Uh, my last name is a compound word. Hit us up on Twitter. Tell us what you think of the reviews. Uh, tell us, you know, do you like it when you know we tend to agree more, or do you like it when we're you know kind of at each other's throats the way we are tonight? Um, I, I, I'm curious to see what people uh, what people think. You know, do you think we're off base with our movie reviews? Um, you know, I, I said I think we're pretty fair, but uh, you know, I listen, I read other reviews, like I look at other movie review sites, and um, 
you know, sometimes like I, like I, I saw the red letter media review for pixels and I was like, all right, the, 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 like, at least we found some good things to say about it. They found nothing. It was just, it was just an hour of them bad. Well, I don't well, think that's fair. It's fair if the movie it's deserves fair if it. The movie deserves it. I tend to feel well, this movie deserves to be bashed. Bashed. Well, even you found good in it, so there. I but didn't say I there didn't was say nothing there was good. Nothing I just said there was mostly there was not mostly good. Not good. So, um, in all seriousness, you know, um, that's part of my plugs tonight. Um, I'm interested in getting some feedback. So, at Mark Rattledge on Twitter, uh, at WinfreyMMA on Twitter, or um, mrattledge at uh, gmail.com if you want to email me. Um, but outside of that, Robert, uh, you want to uh, wrap this up? To anyone who is potentially, who is potentially thinking, thinking, would you, would you, would you why am I hearing myself when I'm listening to you? I've got what? this weird like echo feedback. Um, that's probably because I used the I couldn't get in through Skype tonight, so I'm using the direct call thing from uh, Block Talk Radio. All right, it All never right. happened it before. Never happened before. So, to anyone listening, I'm apologizing in advance for that. To anyone who might anyone potentially, who might be, potentially interested be interested. In video game nostalgia centering around, around the 80s. Save yourself the, Save money. Yourself the money. Do not go see this, movie. Go see this movie. Buy a copy of Ready, Player, copy One. Ready Player One. Read the book. Read the book. And be much more entertained. Much more entertained. Do not support this movie not support at all. This movie at all. Alright. That all right. I believe that, is everything I, believe I have. Now, Mark, you're back next Mark, week with Jed to talk about Straight Outta Compton, right? Straight Outta Compton, right? You're not even close. Next week, it's you and me again, and it's Mission oh. Impossible. Oh. oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. We've got, quit, quit rushing. Um, we've got Mission Impossible next week. The week after that is Fantastic Four, which I'm going to take so my Mark, daughter to. So, Mark, you are aware you there's, are like, aware been there's like been an embargo. On, <laughs> <Yeah>. on, <laughs> on reviews for Fantastic Four. I saw. I am. I'm buckled in and waiting. Like, you know, like I wasn't like as giddy about Pixel sucking as you were. I am. I am waiting for the suck on Fantastic Four. I am prepared for this thing to go. I am prepared to look at my daughter and apologize. That's what's happening. You shouldn't take your daughter you to see take this. Your daughter to see this. Okay, I'm now being called on another podcast. Uh, hang on. Uh, uh, we'll make this fast then. Oh, to the person commenting on Facebook. We will not be reviewing Vacation. No, we will be reviewing uh, Mission Impossible, Fantastic Four, and then Straight Outta Compton. Then we'll, I think we're done until uh, Pan comes out. Oh, um, well, you're done until well, Pan done comes out. Yeah. I might see, so if, someone's, I might see uh, if someone's uh, interested in talking some horror, talking movies with some me. horror movies with me. There you go. Um, I said we'll we'll be doing the Peanuts movie that for sure. Um, Sean the Sheep, hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I think my daughter wants to go see that. Yeah, those guys make good yeah, movies. Those guys make good movies. I like. I'm not on. interested. Um, I'm not interested. All right, uh, that that's the, this is all I've done for this week. Um, 
I'm not doing a Metal Hammer of Doom tomorrow. I'll be in an NXT live show. Uh, but then uh, next week, um, Metal Hammer of Doom will be back. We'll be reviewing the new Lamb of God. And I think hopefully Sean's uh, gallbladder is uh, still intact. We'll be finishing up Orange is the New Black. Again, um, you can reach, you can uh, follow me on at Mark Rattledge on Twitter. Uh, I'm gonna bug out of here and go on to the next thing. Which, if you're wondering what that is, it's the Casual Heroes podcast, which you can find on thecasualheroes.com. All right, and that's it for Mark. I'll do very quickly a few other plugs. Uh, this Saturday, we'll be providing live coverage of UFC 190. Uh, over at 411mania.com, it's Ronda Rousey and someone fighting. It doesn't matter. You're paying to see Ronda. Uh, there's a, so tune in for that. Follow along. I appreciate it. Comments are appreciated. Uh, also, every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I host the 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show. So, And that show takes live callers, information given out at the top of each show. If you'd like to call in, uh, myself and usually Jeff Harris. Uh, talking, you know, what goes on in the world of mixed martial arts. So uh, a lot of fun there. And that's everything we've got today. So again, don't see pixels. It, you're better off not. You can find a better movie to entertain your children. And if you're an adult who wants 80s nostalgia, Ready Player One. Trust me, much better. All right, that's it. Uh, there's our outro music. All right, so Mark and I will be back next week. We'll be talking about Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Uh, from what I've heard so far, early reviews seem to be, seem to be positive. Uh, a few people have mentioned something like best action movie of the summer. So uh, that'll be interesting. I haven't seen it yet, but I will. All right. Uh, we'll see you back then. Same place, same time next week. Thank you all so very much for being here. Uh, Mark neglected to plug our Facebook page, but if you'd like to follow us there, it's probably the most consistently updated material we have. Uh, we're on Facebook at it's Radlich and Broadcasting Network. Uh, pretty sure we're the only ones. So you can type that in, like us, and get your updates as necessary. All right. Thank you again for being here. I say that a lot because I mean it. Uh, see you all next week or sooner, depending on which of these shows you like to follow. Until then, as we say here, be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>